So a while back, uh, Steve asked if I would do uh, this session on thinking about my ministry in hard places. Uh, this is how dumb I am. I thought he was talking about a breakout. So in my head, I'm thinking, 60 people, I can handle that. That'll be fine. And then suddenly the email started. And I was like, what? Um, platform, I don't think so. I think you mean Mez or Doug should be doing that. I think we've got a bit wrong there. And eventually... Um, the, the penny dropped that I actually had to stand in front of you guys. Um, and so I'm not an upfront person. The fear uh, has overtaken me and actually had nightmares. Not just about the clock of doom. <laughs> but like uh, my first nightmare, I dreamt I came to Florida without my cocktail dress. So I couldn't go to the ball tonight. <laughs> I did the usual. I fell off the stage. I got up and I couldn't speak. And then I did think that I'd go over 10 seconds and as it starts to flash, some sort of Axe 29 ninjas would come down from the ceiling. It went me away because I spoke more than 18 minutes. No worries, I've synced to my watch. I know what I'm going to do. So my name is um, Sharon Dickens. Uh, as, as they've said lots of times, and Shaba, as the boys have shouted out lots, um, I'm the Director of Women's Ministries for 20 Schemes, and I've been asked to talk about ministry in my context. I, I can't talk about women's ministry in your context because I don't know it, but I can tell you what it's like in mine. Um, so 20 Schemes is the church plan and ministry of my church, Nidri Community Church. Um, you want to hear about us, come and meet us. We're in the, the booth throughout there. But it's weird when you think of Scotland, you're thinking, why do you need a church planting ministry in Scotland. It's all bagpipes and rolling hills and castles and everybody loves Jesus and Knox. Um, but the reality is 40% of my nation um, live in schemes, live in schemes without anybody, no gospel influence there at all. 40%, it's nearly half. We're not all loving Calvin and Knox. 2% of my nation would say that they're evangelical Christians. 2%. We're soon to be called an unreached nation. So we are a hard place. So the schemes that, that so schemes, I need to explain schemes. Schemes is where I live. In the UK, because Steve told me to speak English, we call them housing estates. Uh, in America, you call them lots of different things. If you take a little bit of a project, mix it up with a little bit of a caravan park, because I'm white trash, and then you morph in something like a, Indian Reservation, because our schemes are old, you get something that's a bit akin to a, a, a scheme. So my scheme is Nidri. It's on the uh, southeast of Edinburgh. It's a scheme that's about 200 and something years old. Just saying, it's a little bit older than your country. <laughs> well, we were playing the age game later. I thought earlier. I thought I'd join in. And schemes are really the complex places. They are a bit of good and bad bit of uh, everything mixed in together. They are largely made up of deprived areas and social housing, and they've got everything that you would think in your head that um, a, a hard place you'd have. There's a high proportion of crime, there's a high proportion of drug, mental health issues, all those things, mixed in with a, a bunch of other really good stuff. I mean, there's people that are working hard there, trying to do two or three jobs, living life, there's a wealth of culture. My scheme is really musical. They love creating and writing music. <clears throat> if you want to check us out, I tune it, 20 Schemes Music. 
And the truth is that these, if I just filled your heads with stats, um, all I'd give you is just one side of what our scheme is. It would be an unfair picture. Um, and I don't want to do that. But I would say that the reality of, of the poverty in our scheme, the hard place, is the fact that it's not because they're deprived or living without food and decent money. It's the truth is that the real poverty is because they don't know God. I mean, they're living life in a hard place without the hope of the gospel that we all have. I mean, we can barely deal with life with Jesus. Imagine life in a hard place without. So for us, 20 schemes, we want to plant 20 gospel center churches in the hardest places of Scotland, growing up the next generation of indigenous, indigenous leaders, including women, whoop, whoop, women's workers. And I'm honest, it's like, uh, I'd love to see this happen in my day. I'm not excited by the Mel Gibson film when he shouts freedom. I just genuinely want to see my nation receive the freedom that they can have in Christ. So I serve in this church in the scheme. Um, I've served there for uh, over uh, 11 years. Um, and what I want to share with you is just some of my experiences of what it's like to be a women's worker in a hard place. But I feel like I have to put a little caveat in just because I never do what I'm told. Never stick to my own script. And I want to give a shout out to some of my church in our places, guys. So the truth about what I'm going to share about how it's like to do women's ministry in my context um, I've seen this happen as we've traveled all over the world. We've traveled with church in our places to do workshops, and we've seen the deprivation, and like Mario shared this morning, and the women and the, 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 the trials that they go through, and they're telling the same story. And that's the sadness. Same story, different words, delivered in a different language. So just the... I suppose what I'm trying to say is that, w- that just because what I'm talking about is Scotland and a, a small, insignificant little scheme in Scotland, that this story is something in one sense that happens to women all over our world. So I want to share just eight because I've only got 18 minutes. I'm going to say 18 minutes a lot to keep them happy. He is actually smiling. It's the first time I've seen that. <laughs> just eight Eight things that are common things that I see in our scheme uh, when I'm working with women. So the first thing I would say is that the first point would be sexual and emotional uh, integrity. So many of the women that I spend time with, they struggle with same things that that guys do. Porn, masturbation, same-sex relationships, abortion, adultery, sex before marriage, and so much more. The sad reality is for many women, they are genuinely a, a walking commodity so they can use themselves um, and their kids sickeningly uh, to, to be able to pay off their debt or, or pay for something that they need. In fact, for many of the, the, the families that I see, home is not a safe place. Uh, mums bringing home guys that you should just not have around kids. And that sort of danger is not something that you want any child to face. So my second one would be physical and sexual abuse. So we estimate about 80% of the women that we spend time with on our schemes have been abused in some way, shape, or form. And while you're thinking that through, that actually the reality is for guys it's higher. Uh, Many of our women have been raped, sexually assaulted, 
and trying to deal with the impact of that and the trauma for them on a daily basis, the way that their, their memories, the flashbacks, the feeling, the fear, it's debilitating. Many women are, and their children are struggling with and dealing with the aftermath of what has happened in their life and PTSD. So three would be the violence. Uh, one of our, one of the stories, so one of my first women that, women that somebody ever brought to me, um, for help, she would been, um, held prisoner in her house by her boyfriend. And um, he systematically abused and beat her, and eventually she managed to escape out the first floor window bathroom. And her, she went to her friends for help, and her friend brought her, brought her to me. And you're like, what do you do when that happens? Where do you go? Another was uh, a woman that um, we spent time with and her child at that time who was um, two and a half watched her being attacked by her boyfriend with a samurai sword. And I, imagine, like, how can you work that out in your head? How do you, as a child, t- try to comprehend what's going on with that situation? Why is your dad treating your mum like that? I actually remember the moment when this little kid, he was in the back of my car, his mum had nipped into the bank. And he just, without preamble, there was no... I mean, we'd been talking about cartoons. There was no preamble. There was no context to the conversation. He just suddenly started telling me. Telling me what had happened and what he remembered. How can he deal with that? Out of nowhere, this came. And many women think that just because the kids are up the stairs or behind the door or hiding in, a, in the closet, that they are not hearing or understanding what is going on. But they're aware of everything. That badness that is going on in their house, you, those kids are immersed in it. They're not immune to what is going on around them. You can't protect that. They're hearing and seeing, and if they're not seeing, they're making up to match what's hearing. So one victim said this, Haruka said this, she says, I am living in hell from one day to the next, but there is nothing that I can do to escape. I don't know where I would go if I did. I feel utterly powerless, and that feeling is my prison. I entered of my own free will, I locked the door, and I threw away the key. In my context, we say that more concisely. We made our bed, so we have to lie in it. And that, for many of my, uh, my women, is how they feel. They've made their bed, so they have to lie in it. But then don't be surprised that actually in our context, many of our women are the ones that are the abusers. They're the ones that are violent towards their husbands and their families. And we have to get alongside those also. So four would be anger. Anger is a given. I mean, it really is. It shows itself in lots of different volatile ways. From violent outbursts, and women are uh, absolutely fueled by, fueled by, f- frankly, raging at everyone and everything, their kids, the social, that would be our welfare benefits, the police, their exes, the teachers, their kids, the person that's annoyed them on Facebook that week, the mum outside the, the school when they're going to pick up their kids, the list is endless, the social workers, whatever it is, themselves. And the reality is that volatile and, and dangerous, unfortunately, they are absolutely weighed down with, oppressed with, exhausted with, carrying that level of anger around with them all the time. It's got to be knackering, to be fair. 
five mental health issues. So mental health covers this multitude of, of illnesses. It's like a humongous spectrum. And I mean, I have 18 minutes, as Steve told me five times. So I can't go into any depths. But on the spectrum, you've got anything from depression to real serious psychosis. Um, and on a scheme, they're absolutely in a hard place. They're absolutely at a premium. Many women spend their time suffering with debilitating mental health issues. In the UK, we're starting to see some of the statistics come out for for their children. And what we're seeing now is that children that um, have one or two parents, so one parent, uh, who has a mental health issue, by the time they're 20, they have a 50% um, chance of, of, of having some sort of depression themselves. And the Mental Health Foundation goes on to say socioeconomic pressures such as poverty and low levels of education are recognized risks to mental health for individuals and communities. They go on then and say the greater the gap between rich and poor, the greater the the difference are observed in health. And it's true. We see this. In our scheme, eight-year-olds are contemplating suicide as a serious option. I can't get my head around that. Can't get my head around that. Schools are having to deal with this on a regular basis. So they have a a provided safe space that they could go. So substance abuse would be number six. So prescription medications, big for us, particularly for women. Illegal drugs, alcohol. It seems to be an absolute constant. It's just in their presence all the time. It's become a, a driving force of driving many lives on my scheme in hard places, including their children. It affects their lives. What happens is kids become secondary to what is really fueling them. Finding, obtaining, seeking that next fix for whatever escape or that they're, they're trying to, is paramount and everything else gets left behind. Seven, we're nearly there. Hold on, just one more to go. Financial integrity. Unfortunately, what we find that when many are women, the poorest can be sometimes the most disproportionately. They, they would disproportionately have the biggest uh, debt. So the poorer they are, the more chances there are to, to have massive debt. Uh, credit comes in many forms. We're just not talking about flexing the plastic. It comes in many forms, and it's all too easy on a scheme to obtain. And that idea that if I, I can afford the payment today without thinking about tomorrow is what fuels that buy now, pay never attitude is there. And they're thinking about how they send their kids, what their kids going to achieve at school, how people are going to look at them and the shame that, that, would, that they would face. And then lacking dis- discipline. Unfortunately, many women struggle with and simply don't discipline their kids. They're not consistent. They say things like, when we get to school, the teachers will sort them out. Um, and the reality is that it's always someone else's issue. So for many on schemes, these would be, for many of us sitting here in this room, the reality is that for one of these issues, you would struggle with that. But for the women on our, our scheme, for the women on my scheme, they're dealing with more than one, all mixed together, twisting into each other, creating new problems and new issues. How, how are they going to cope with life? That's a confusing big picture that they've got. The day-to-day reality in hard places and the schemes is, for many of them, it's just, it's just hard. Harder still because they're living without the hope of the gospel. So we know simply them coming to Jesus is not going to like transform their lives overnight. It's not like it's a magic wand. 
It's not going to blow everything away. I know that that can happen. People can be transformed instantly. But on the schemes, it's not the norm. It's a hard walk to maturity. It doesn't take three years and it doesn't follow a plan. It's hard graft to get to the end of the row. Complex lives lead to complex discipleship. Issues that have been absolutely decades, generations in the making, aren't going to disappear overnight. And we are foolish if we think so. Young Christians need someone to come alongside them and ask the hard questions. Someone who loves them enough to say the things that they don't want to hear. Someone to help them continually point them to Jesus. An example, as our guy said earlier, who Christ is. Earlier I shared about the woman with her wee kid and the samurai sword. And I remember her coming to church and she'd read Mezzi's book and thought that we had some sort of magic wand that would make her life get better overnight. Um, and I got alongside her and it was difficult and it was messy. And somewhere in that relationship, um, she got saved. She professed Christ. So how do you discipleship that? How do you discipleship her? Come alongside her. The clock of doom is ticking and confusing me. So discipleship with her was, um, it was difficult. It was frustrating. There was days where she had one foot in God's camp and one foot in the world. She did that for years. She'd lie to your face. She'd phone you at 11 o'clock at night. She'd say her kids had no food, no nothing, and it was your problem to fix it. At one point, she practically stayed in my house. Um, eating dinner with my kids, being involved in their life. And that, mean that, her, that meant that her kids came too. It wasn't easy. It was frustrating. It was exhausting. And at times it was absolutely heartbreaking because you watched her, like a lemon, jump off a cliff, making another horrendous decision with loads of consequences that she didn't want to face. But now, 11 years later, she's transformed the Lord has changed her life. It took time. Discipleship from unchurched and potentially chaotic backgrounds is difficult. It's walking alongside 24-7, being in, sharing your life type experience. And we don't like that. It's costly. And we don't want to pay the price. But we need to. This, and I would say that this is my point, and I'll probably go over and I'll apologize afterwards. That's why he told me 18 minutes and not two, 20, because he knew I'd steal the extra two. (laughs) When it comes to women in this context, I would say, and I'm going to harp on this, that the type of support, the intimacy that they need in prayer, the mentoring, the counseling, the getting alongside, the being in their lives, the care comes from a godly mature woman that's in it for the long haul. We need to see this, church, that God has given us a provision in the women that we have in their congregations. We need to prepare and equip them to disciple the women that God sends our way. That's why in 20 Schemes, we think that a woman's worker is an essential part to a church planting and team. She's needed. Godly, mature women acting out, breathing out, teaching, showing what Titus 2 is in action. 
How is someone supposed to know how to deal with the trials of life if we never show them how to deal with the trials of life in the way that we live it? So in my context, thankfully, my elders um, chose to equip us. And there's seven in my, my, the, the care team at, at church. They trusted us and released us to disciple and the men, mentor the women in our congregation and in, in our context. We've developed a structure, a framework, so that we remain absolutely in submission to our elders. We created training packages so that our women were uh, trained to the, the best of their ability. We now run a, a women's ministry training and a, 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 what we're now calling a ministry wives training. And if you're interested in that, you come and see me at the booth. I'm happy to share that. Women's ministry is a much needed component of any plan. It absolutely is. And if you guys aren't thinking about it, then I've not done my job. You need to see me and I need to try harder. Especially in a hard context. If it's done well, it should complement and support the work of your planter and pastor and elders as you care well for your congregations. Church planting and evangelism and discipleship in uh, hard places is, is hard. That's why it's called church in hard places. In my schemes, it's hard. But it's not impossible. In my context, what we're seeing is in hard places, hard discipleship and hard growth, but women growing. We're raising up the next generation of women's workers um, to go into church plants. But more than that, we're raising up the next generation of just good, godly church members.